Hello, this is Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel, proud sponsor of the Universal After Dark podcast. Interested in a universal vacation? I can help you find the best deal for your family. There are tons of options at Universal, and I can help you choose the best ones and help build an itinerary to help you maximize your time there. I make the plans, and you make the memories. Contact me at Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Hello and welcome to another edition of Universal After Dark. I am Nick and on this episode I am joined by, uh, where should we go for, we're joined with Ryan. Hello there. We are joined by Mr D. Happy lockdown. And we are joined by everyone's favourite female scouser, Craig. A happy Easter 2024. You, you joke. I just ate the last of uh, the Easter eggs tonight before recording. What? We're down to yeah. our last 15 Easter eggs. Mine yeah, were gone it? Easter weekend. Yeah, we. Um, I bought a few after Easter as well. We didn't have many for Easter, so I got a couple um, after. There's nothing like half-price chocolate, is there? So it's like, it's like full-price chocolate, but half the price. Easter chocolate, I find. A couple of cream eggs. Oh, not a cream egg fan. Easter Easter chocolate, though. Come on. Does anyone also agree with me that Easter chocolate is the best chocolate? Well, it's a toss-up between Easter chocolate and Christmas chocolate. But it shouldn't be, should it? Like, it shouldn't taste taste as good as it does, but it tastes better than, like... It's kind of egg-shaped. A dairy milk (laughs) Easter egg tastes better than a dairy milk bar. Right, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I would much... And I did this one year... My my wife was gonna buy me like some ten pound like one of the, one of the big eggs that they they do that comes with like a few chocolate bars and stuff. Mm. And she said I was gonna buy this egg, but it was a tenner, and I wasn't sure. And I went, I would much rather you buy me ten of those little Cadbury's Dairy Milk or Button Easter eggs, mm. the little ninety nine p ones, than have one big egg because I mean chocolate I is so love good. Eggs, that's for you, Todd. <laughs> the uh i like the lint bunnies yeah that's good chocolate oh i'll tell you the, my favorite this year and i was eating about four packets a week was the galaxy enchanted eggs oh, oh the caramel ones no not the caramel ones they're like gold like little mini golden eggs oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. man they were they're incredible yeah. yeah it goes in gold and it comes out gold figure <laughs> that out <laughs> that's the genius of it what a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one for you. Um, yeah. 
Right. That was that. Sorry. No, no. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, sorry, I couldn't <laughs> wait. That was a premature tonic opening. But uh, there was a, there was, on YouTube, there's a guy called Beard Meets Food, and he made a massive cream egg and then tried to eat it. He, he actually failed. It was it, it, it was 21,000 calories, this cream egg. Oh, Jesus. All right. It was, well, it was, it was actually a partial cream egg because he couldn't make a full one, but the chocolate was like half an inch thick. This oh. thing was about 12 inches, 12 inches high. It was, uh, it was a mess. How far did he get? Uh, I'd say about half of it. That doesn't sound that impressive, but when you see just how much chocolate and, and well, what is it? It's like icing sugar, like it's solid like icing sugar. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's basically fondant. Fondant. Yeah. One. Well, he, looked, he looked well under at the let's end. Let's put it this way. It, it like probably set like five or six bites of it would have killed me. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say that. I mean, that Ryan, if you, I mean, God forbid you ever have suicidal thoughts, but I mean, I'd go out on a high. A way that's, <laughs> that's not a way, bad way to go, is it? No, yeah, selfie face, selfie There was a, just as a side when I was growing up, there was a story on Coronation Street, um, where someone I think she actually did end up killing herself by eating. She was diabetic by eating sugar out of a bag. But I'm thinking, if you're going to do it, love, come on. Yeah, yeah that's better that. Come yeah, on. Yeah, get to your local offie, get all the chocolate you can and go out with a bang. Yeah, that's yeah, like drinking drink chips, isn't it? Yeah, come on. We don't recommend snorting, snorting sugar on this podcast. <laughs> I, just... I snorted on his tango once. I don't recommend that. Oh, yeah. Um... Right, so Mr. D, you cracked open first, so I'll, yeah. I'll ask what everyone's drinking, but you're drinking some tonic. Gin and tonic, yeah. What you got? I got, um, it's a Fever Tree Aromatic Tonic Water, mm-hmm. and uh, Bombay Sapphire is a gin. Oh, beautiful gin, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, what are you drinking? I have, the lockdown has actually impacted me, I've got an alcoholic drink tonight. Ooh. And I'm going really? to plug them, because they're great. They're a brewery in Brighton, and they're called Unbarred, and it's a mango pale, pale ale. Oh, I saw you! I saw you open one of these the other day. I thought you were going to say bum rush or something like that. <laughs> but so obvious. But so genuinely, obvious. they are fantastic. They, they, I do miss the pub in in Brighton, but uh, they've got a brewery that you can order online, and they're great. Pricey, mm. but they're they're very very good. I might have to try some of those for sure. Craigafer, um, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking Diet Coke, but, well, I think it's Diet Coke. Coke confuses me now because they still sell Diet Coke, and they still sell Coke Zero. Then they sell normal Coke with a black band around the top like a fire extinguisher, and then they sell normal red Coke. So I'm drinking the Coke with the black band around it. That's Zero, I think. Basically, I'm I'm off the the ale because of all the ale and I've been consuming. Yeah, Craig's had too much ale. He 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 was trying to go out on on whiskey. Well, basically, in the the first was it the first fourteen days, Nicholas? Yes, I had uh, of the lockdown. I think I had three bottles of whiskey, two bottles of prosecco, two boxes of lager, a partridge in a pear tree. And a bottle of red wine. Mm. Solid. Yeah. I have to say, this, this un- my unbarred delivery arrived on Friday, and this is the last one. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh I've reached that point of lockdown. Well, I have joined Mr. Mr. D. I have got a drink. A pink gin and diet lemonade in a can. Oh, because nice. apparently uh, the wife didn't like them, so I'm drinking them instead. Waste yeah. that one knot and all that, you know. Can you have gin and lemonade? Does that work, does it? Yeah. Right, so it does work. Um it's but I mean I don't I don't recommend it. It's fine, but gin should have tonic with it, not lemonade. Ooh. Uh pink gin, I think, because it's um because it's uh, um, like more berry infused than traditional gin, it, it works better with. Um, so it works just as well with lemonade as it does with tonic. But if you're having proper gin, you need tonic. No, no other mixer works properly at all. So, yeah, pink gin you can just about get away with it. It's fine. It's it is what it is. It's only four percent. That'll do. Right. So. It's uh, another show and another coronavirus uh, influence show. Um, strap yourselves in, kids. It's going to be like this for a while. Um, the uh, the latest news, uh, as we as we recall this, is that Universal are aiming for a first of June um, day to reopen their parks. And uh, I think you should all mark that in your calendars as something that is not going to happen. There is no way. Um, I know we record podcasts and say this is not going to age well. This podcast will age just fine. There is no way those parts will open on the 1st of June. And if they do open on the 1st of June, it's going to be carnage. Absolute carnage. So... I just cannot see how they will be able to justify with everything going on right now that that date is reasonable. Does anybody want to contradict that? The only, I completely agree, it is unreasonable and it shouldn't happen. The only way it might happen is because Florida seems to be going against the norm of, well, I think so could be said for America, but I mean, the ble- the beaches opened the other day, or at least one of the beaches opened the other day, and yeah. that looked absolutely suicidal. Well, so it was the beaches in Jacksonville uh, that, that reopened at the weekend. Now, I've heard some conflicting reports because I saw the news reports that were on CNN, which showed, like, just a manic day at the beach. I then saw some drone footage and the drone footage did not make it look anywhere near as bad as it looked on the CNN footage. So I don't know if there was some um, lenses and angles being used, shall we say, to make Are you trying to say that the media manipulated the truth? No, I'm not going that far. I'm not going that far, just yet. Um, I find that hard to believe. (laughs) But, yeah, I, I don't think it looked... I don't think it was actually as bad as it looked uh, on the news reports. That being said, we did also see a lot of protests with people, most of whom were not wearing masks, pretending that this is not a real thing. Well, Um, I've also just seen, and, and, you know, I don't want to bucket Georgia in with Florida, but... um, (laughs) You're going to anyway. (laughs) It's certain certain Floridians, let's say. Um, 
the governor in Georgia has said, just said, literally last half hour, businesses like gyms, barbers and hairstylists will be allowed to reopen Friday the 24th of April. And with theatres, restaurants to follow on Monday the 27th of April. What? That is mental. What the hell are they thinking? <laughs> it's just nuts. Well, surely that's... This is the, the, the country that sues people for spilling a cup of hot water on you. This is... Are you going to have to sign a waiver when you go into the cinema that if you get COVID-19, you can't sue them? No, that's what we're talking about for Disney eventually, when now, they finally open. In our group, somebody shared today um, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. Uh, this is off TripAdvisor, a screen capture. This... Property is temporarily closed until the 30th of July 2020. So, obviously, the parks can open um, on the 1st of June, but it would appear that the hotels are nowhere near going to be open because there'll be nobody travelling long distances to, to stay in them. So, are these parks just going to become local parks for local people? You mean like something from Royce and, Royce and Basie? Yes. It's a um, local park for local people. This is... There's nothing for you here. <laughs> I don't think I shared the the article that I saw, but um, there was a, a financial analyst that um, did a report in one of the publications over the weekend, specifically looking at Disney, who said that um, they're going to have to probably write off the rest of the year. Uh, in terms of being able to open their parks, yeah. he he did, he could not see a way they would be re, be able to reopen any of the parks until next year in in the states. Not in any meaningful fashion. I mean, they, they might be able to technically get them open, but you're going to have to cut back, you know, capacity so much to make that oh, safe. Absolutely. And, and put lots of extra things in place that is this debatable whether it would even be financially viable. You know, the extra cost versus the amount of revenue you're going to get in, is it is it really going to be worth the bother? Yeah. 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 And we'll talk about the, the Disney side of things a bit later, but obviously we're focused on Universal over here. Yeah. Um, and uh, an interesting survey was uh, was released just over the weekend about it, it didn't say specifically uh, about this but obviously it was about this and uh, it was talking about the parks reopening so our um I, I was about to say our good friend but no our fellow co-host mr ripley uh, and his website hhnunofficial.com uh, did a, a an article kind of breaking it down a bit more um, and it, it's very interesting reading. So I'll go through um, the, the first one, the first point on this survey, which uh, said, once state governments permit it, uh, Universal Orlando will reopen. How likely are you to consider visiting if the park reopens following its pre-coronavirus standard operating and safety procedures? And then it obviously gave you the options, very likely down to very unlikely. Now, they then kind of mentioned some of the precautions that they would be putting into place um, in order for this to happen. And some of these, I think, are absolutely mad. 
but we'll, we'll see how everyone feels about these. So for team members, they're going to be tested every 24 hours for COVID-19. Now, I did see that one one of the questions, it said they're going to be tested every 15 minutes. <laughs> Which is, is impossible. Well, how, how could yeah. you do that? Well, well and, and I'm not sure. What well, no, I mean. Well, this is, so this is the thing, right? This is the thing. No test at the moment can be done that quickly. Can give you a result this quick. It's not like a pregnancy test, right? At the moment, you get tested, it gets sent off for analysis, and then it comes back with a yes or no. So, how they're going to regulate this? Because let's just say that by the time this happens they can get the results back in 48 hours. So if you're tested on Monday, you'll get your result on Wednesday. You get a, a negative result on Wednesday. You'll be doing isolation on Friday. But that, well, that's it. Are you not allowed to leave your residency for those preceding two days? And also as well, we know the symptoms can start, you know, within a 14-day 14 uh, 14 period. So you could be tested one day and be negative for it, but you could be tested the next day and be positive for it. But if you're not going to get those results straight away, then the whole thing's a mockery. It, it suddenly makes sense, just as an aside, of why potentially Disney's plan results in uh, Epcot being shut, and that's because they're expanding the Living with the Land laboratory to, uh, to include all COVID-19 tests at Walt Disney World, maybe even so, Universal as well. See, there you go, helping out the community. The first time you'll see people actually working in that lab. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I've never seen them. Um, the closure of all indoor attractions. Now, obviously, some of these are very obvious to gather what an indoor attraction is. So, uh, Jimmy Fallon, that's an indoor attraction. Um, Escape from Gringotts, that is. Uh, Forbidden Journey is. Jurassic Park, is that an indoor attraction? It's got an indoor section. Um, the Incredible oh, Hulk, it? same thing. Indoor queue, yeah. Indoor queue. Um, is, 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 is that where they queuing, isn't it? How, how are they even going to get round queuing? Yeah. I, I was thinking it was more like, you know, Shrek. But, I mean, you know, you've probably had social distancing in Shrek for about the past eight years because there's very few people actually going. I was going to say, no, I think no. I've had a theatre to myself, let alone a road. Can, yeah. can you, yeah. like, trying to get people now in modern America, because they used to, everyone used to conform to this little rule, move all the way down, right? No one moves all the way down now. The cast members or team members have to shout to the blue in the face, well, um, the, whoever it is, sits in the middle, and people actually walk around them, and they feign that they can't hear, so... If if you've got seats crossed off where your people don't want to sit, you don't want to be sitting, and so then the same seats are getting used constantly as every single seat going to have to be disinfected. If you're only using Wait. a quarter of the seats, for example, social distancing, they're doing it now in the railway stations. You've just put tape on seats that you're not allowed to sit on, mm. um, so it's easily done. But a quarter capacity, maybe, or a fifty percent capacity, it just it just doesn't add up. The sums don't add up. It's not going to be worth opening that park for such mm. a hit. Also, practically, how? I mean, even if they manage to do that inside the park, how are they making sure that people are distant when queuing to get in? Is it going to be like a lottery system? 
if but if fifty percent people turn up, but they only they only let they can let twenty five percent in. How does it work? Imagine being on the front row of the Hulk as you go and just about to take off on the lift hill, and the fella on the front of the Hulk sneezes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, um, all team members to have their temperature taken, which I think is self-explanatory. Okay, so again, right, I'm going to butt in again, sorry. Um, I have been taking my temperature quite a lot because I'm going to London quite a lot. So the other morning, I had a bowl of porridge. I've been having porridge for my breakfast. Oh, jeez, Craig, you're having central heating for the body. Yes, exactly. So the other day, imagine my shock when I took my temperature and I was 39 degrees just after a bowl of porridge. Just because you had a warm belly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and then I drank a cup of ice not an hour later and my temperature was 16 degrees. I mean, that's All concerning. Right. All right, your body should, That's you, enough of that. <laughs> yeah, your body shouldn't have been 16 degrees. <laughs> I had a cup the of tea at lunchtime and I was just right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, though, right, I mean, you know, so it's all very well seeing that, you, you know, we, we, we check team members' temperature every day. But it's missing the point. The, the point is, if a team member gets infected on day one, they aren't actually going to show symptoms probably for seven to 14 days, by which time they've already infected a load of people before yeah. they show up any symptoms. Exactly. So it's bullshit. And, you know, who's going to enjoy a day like that? And, and, and how much are you going to have to pay for a day like that? Well, that, that's Can't another... charge you full price. Well, this, this half the attractions are shut. No, I agree. You've been doing it for years. <laughs> Hollywood yeah, Studios was that for five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just swapped around the rides. Dizzy have been practising this, this kind of opening for years. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we've got this sorted. <laughs> um, touch-free payment only. Now, there is one problem with touch-free payment only, and that's if this expands to international travellers, because I couldn't use my card for tap-free payment, even though it was a a tap-free card. Well, not tap-free, but, you know, a, a tappable card. Uh, it, it wouldn't work. Every time I used my card in Universal, I had to swipe and sign. It wouldn't yeah, accept the tap. I think, it's, I think it is better now. Hmm. Um, Try to remember. We well, definitely got, used that last year. You've got to have the three little symbols on that on your card to signify contactless payment. And Americans clearly just haven't got it. Oh, you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was. It was I was trying to use my Apple Pay. Mm. And it wouldn't accept the Apple Pay because I was it was a UK card and I had to contact the bank and get them to adjust the setting to allow it, even though I'd already said I was travelling to the US on the app. It, it didn't work, but yeah, I couldn't use Apple Pay at first. No. I, I did, I was able to use the card eventually, but not straight away. Um, but regardless, touch free payment is great if you've got a touch free card. And I don't know how widespread they are in America still because we use it for everything here, like that has become the norm over the last four or five years. Yeah. America still expects you to sign bits of paper, which is just mm. nuts in this day and age. Not so much, no. Not so much, no. They did in um, when I was at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. That's, that's not why... Earth, though, is it? Oh, yeah. 
because that was literally a long time ago, Nick. That's why far, galaxy far, far far away. Yeah, um, that's because um, that was a problem I had in um, what's the uh, the bar. Yeah, was Cantina. Cantina. Yeah, mm. so I gave them my cards to pay for my bill, and mm. it wouldn't work, and they couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. And of course, they have to talk to me in Star Wars language, so I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Mm. And I finally figured out what it was, and I had to go into the app and tick a box to allow magnetic strip reading or something mm. because for security reasons it switched off because it's not a very secure way of doing payments but that is how they wanted to do my payment in Elvis mm. cantina so um yeah i think that, the thing is so i think there are there are obviously ways to get around that so if everybody knew that was the deal right from now on it's only contactless then uk people would would figure out what they got to do to make that work wouldn't they yeah but whether it's the, apple pay or contactless or whatever yeah but the problem is is that even when people are told that this is going to be what they need to do there'll always be one or two to ignore it and then go yeah. oh well, no, so it's the only way i haven't got anything i can pay with now so there'll always be a few that just want to pay cash or something stupid but yes they're allowed to they're allowed to tap the keypad but then sulfuric acid is poured over their hands just to make sure that there's no yeah. bacteria yeah, which, which left. is reasonable reasonable yeah. to me um, they're going to remove all security X-ray machines. I don't. I'm not sure they ever watched it anyway. Are, are they? Are they I thinking it's five G thing or? No, I think that was just for the staff. So they must scan the staff when they're coming into work that they haven't got any weapons on them or whatnot. Right. Um, team members to wear face masks, um, and also to wipe down all attractions before use. Now, the face mask, I think, is sensible. Um, it will be weird, but it will be sensible. Um, if Universal are smart, which I think they are, um, they will be selling Universal branded face masks. Um, but time will tell on that one. Um, I was going to say, like, where, where, where the hell can you even get face masks from? That's the thing. Well, okay, so I've been speaking... China. <laughs> I've um I, I work with a team in America and we've been having this discussion because um one of one of my team members stay um she's in Maryland and in Maryland it is now a legal requirement for you if you are leaving your house to wear a mask at all times. Mm. Um and she said we were just able to go into Home Depot and buy face masks. So I don't know if they have not got the problem that we've got in the UK because, like now, it is like rocking horse shit to try and really? buy a face mask. It's, I, I waited, I waited oh. three weeks for mine to turn up. It's funny because I was um, I was went up from my once a day exercise and I was walking past the co-op and there was a little queue outside the co-op and I recognised one of the guys who was in the queue, but he had a he had a, like a bandana, so he obviously didn't have a face mask. So he got this multicolored bandana that he had over his face, and he was next to going to the co-op. And I, I said, "Oh, how how times have changed!" I said, "If you walked into the co-op with that bandana, like two months ago, a SWAT team would have arrived. They would assume you were going in there to rob the joint." And he was. Well, <laughs> he was he was looking for eggs and flour and toilet paper. So, I mean, that's that's what they're going to do for team members. 
So, you know, I think some things are reasonable. I think other things are a little bit over, not over the top, but I don't think they're going to have the desired effect. I'm not, the problem is like to wipe down all attractions before use. We've been told that antibacterial wipe sprays, whatever, have no effect. Soap and water does. So if they're going to use the right equipment, then fair enough. But, you know, they have to be using the right equipment. There's no guarantee they they will be because the science still isn't completely concrete on that. So uh, I don't know. That still seems a bit iffy. Um, So for the public uh, shows, they're going to suspend all shows. So um, horror makeup, uh, Shrek, that's considered a show, isn't it? Um, uh, the, the Harry Potter stuff, that will all be as well. The pets thing, where they make the pets sing and dance. Yeah, the animal actors. The, uh, the uh, thing where they make people eat snot and, and bugs. Yeah, I feel that's too, gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you've got things like the... Um, Outside the castle, Hogwarts, you've got the night show, and then you've got little, um, like the frog chorus, is it? And the Death Eaters, and you've got things in Diagon Alley as well, pieces of live entertainment, so that'll need to go as well, then. Castle show. We went to see the, the Hogwarts castle show last August, and it was the worst experience of my entire holiday. It was so unsafe. We crammed so many people into that tiny space I genuinely feared for mine and my family's safety and it was it was just it, it was carnage it was absolute carnage yeah. and the show was borderline shite it, you know, it was one of them where you're like I've just nearly cost my family's life for that it was pathetic so yeah so I mean the shows, I mean, and that's a lot of stuff to to take away. The next point was it's all nighttime shows and parades. So we've we've covered that anyway. Yeah. Um, only seating guests every other row and every other seat. Again, I suppose that's trying to do the distance. Did that work? That would work in something like um, no. Jimmy Fallon. I actually, yeah, well, they're, they're well, not individual seats either, are they? They're benches. You've got individual seats on Jimmy Fallon because you've got seat belts. Oh, yeah, okay. But you're still going to have people beside you, though. So you're not going to be six feet away from them unless unless they insist that you can only ride beside a family member. Just think about how much of a nightmare that would be. The single right. rider's gone. Yeah. Also, I, just <laughs> well, yeah. Don't, I just don't... It, it's just impossible. It's impossible to... To do this, it's just it just will not work. There is no so, way any of this will work. Like it's just not gonna happen. I can't see it working at all. Rip ride Rocky, for example, right? So let's visualize. So you get up to the ramp and you're getting on the ride. Only one person's allowed in the front. So then the next two seats behind are locked out of use. So they'll all be locked up. So then only one person again is allowed on the next row. So in t- in three rows, that would generally sit six people. To social distance correctly, you've got two people where there should be six. So just think about the Riff Ride Rocket queue. 
and just put that across the rest of the park on the remainder of stuff that's still open. Well, how are you cleaning it? Spray, so spray, spray. And just um, as they're about to go down the hill, down the uh, down the drop, the one at the front sneezes. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody else gets it. And th- that's one. Of, that's an omni mover type scenario where it's it's always moving. Lift, ride, rocky. That's um, what I'm saying. Are you cleaning it? Except very, very quickly. Yeah, it's just going to be. This is yeah. a constant. It's like Tesco. You go to Tesco. You know, they've got they've got like a sort of spray and wipes, and they're just constantly wiping the handles on the trolleys. That's all about. And it probably does have some effect, but and that's the problem. Be... That's the problem with this, though. Are are you going to feel comfortable going to a park under those circumstances? Because everywhere around you is going to be reminders of what's going on. It's, also, just, it's, it's, it's going to be garbage. It is. And what I'm worried about, I guess I'm most concerned about, is I would take every protective measure possible going to a theme park. But there's many people from not just America, from all over the world, that are believing the nonsense coming from the likes of Donald Trump, saying that basically everything's fine, business is going to be open again, and don't need to worry too much. And those are the people that worry me in a the theme park. Yeah, and, and, do I, and also, do I trust a universal team member to properly clean every single time without fail? Well, you I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're distrustful to... people, but I mean, come on, I mean, they're going to miss a few every now and again. You yeah. waive at all your rights when you go into that theme park, so just think about that. Yeah, I agree. You'll you'll be signing a document to say that if I get ill and die, I can't sue you. Well, I can't anyway because I'll be dead, but. You'd never be able to prove it anyway. You'd never be able to prove where you picked up the infection, would you? That's true. Well, I couldn't prove to Disneyland Paris that I got food poisoning from one of their buffets. So yeah, you're right there. You can't. And unless you do, unless you do uh, a, a stool sample or something, you can't prove food poisoning. That's the problem. You can you can think where you might have picked it up from and you've got a chance, but the, the problem with food the food poisoning thing is, you know, stomach bugs and um, actual food poisoning, the symptoms and the effects are very, very similar. So unless they can actually test and determine where it come from or what it what caused it, you never know. So same rules apply applies here. Just think right? about like the toilets. The toilets have all got these little forms on the wall that the, the team members have gone in and checked them and you've been cleaned and it's an hourly rotor. So that's just the, the toilets. This has got to be uh, signatures that this has been cleaned down, that that's been cleaned down, that this person's been tested, sign here that you've been tested. The paperwork for this is going to be astronomical. Whether it's on an iPad or whatever, to get all this set up, um, and it, as you, I'll let you carry on going through the list now, Nick, but... As you get this set up, it's just not going to pay for itself. Well, the last one was remove all three glasses from shows, which there's not many left now, is there? There's Shrek, there's uh, Harry Potter, there's Transformers and Spider-Man, uh, Jimmy King Fallon. Kong. Oh, yeah, King Kong as well, yeah. I mean, you're not leaving many attractions well, either, it, it, either open or in their original format. Which is yeah. fine. Like I don't care about the original format, 
but it, it, it depends, right? Because, um, I mean, Minions, uh, they were very quick to turn the 3D off in that attraction uh, when they decided they were going to turn the 3D off. And it is nowhere near as good in 2D as it is in 3D because it's designed to be in 3D. Now, things like Kong will probably work in 2D, won't be as immersive, but they'll still work. Um, but again, like Jimmy Fallon, it's another one where they throw stuff in your face. So you, you'll lose all of that impact by not being 3D. But more importantly, it's how quickly they can turn something that was 3D into 2D. With some films for theme park attractions, they'll have two versions. They'll have one when the 3D goes down as a backup. Um, but I don't know if all of these attractions have a 2D version or if they have to retro convert it into 2D. So they'll be able to do it, but... Also, like, how good will they be? Like, I mean, Kong is a great example, I think, of a, a decent attraction that works really well with 3D. Without 3D, I think that will lose a lot of its clout. And well, yeah, because it's it's all about the depth in, in yeah. that. It's making it look like you're in this fast jungle. When it's flat, it's going to look flat. It's going to look like you're in a tunnel with some screens. Look at Fast and Furious. Well, yeah, that's exactly you know. not to do that right. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what some of the... So all of these were options. So you could choose which ones you like the sound of. So it wasn't that they're, they're going to do all of these things. It was they're trying to gauge opinions about which ones they want you want to see implemented. So the last section was for guests. So the first one is all guests to wear face masks. Um, I think... I can't see how people wouldn't vote for that. That just seems to be common sense. We know Depends face masks. What's what state they're coming in from? Because some states don't believe it's it's a an yeah. erosion of their civil liberties. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the the thing you know what we do understand about face masks is that face masks themselves will not stop you catching uh, corona, but what it will do is you know give you some type of protection and it also obviously stops you giving it to other people if you actually have symptoms and didn't know about it yet um but that seems fairly common sense and um again when i was talking to that colleague today about um the fact her state has now made it mandatory to do so um as she was saying how it doesn't feel natural she doesn't like it and everything like that i said for years we've seen footage from uh, from Asia, China, Japan, Beijing, Hong Kong, um, you know, normally big cities where people going about their daily routine wear face masks. It's very much become part of their culture. Now, whether that's because of hygiene or pollution or a combination of both, but that has become the norm in those countries. Um, it is not the norm here in the UK, it is not the norm in America. This is all very new. That said, I think it's going to become the norm for at least a prolonged period of time. So I think we just have to get used to it. So I don't think that that is a bad um, a bad option, really, if it just gives everyone a little bit more protection, then that can only be uh, a good thing. Uh, the next one uh, on the list was requiring all guests and team members to social distance themselves by six feet from each other. Now, 
unless you are going to wear some kind of hula hoop around you, I don't see how they can implement this very well. Imagine just the queue to get into the theme park. That's what I mean. It's going to be it's going to be all the way down I drive for like a hundred people because because everyone will be standing at least six feet away from each other. Um, yeah, just I, I suppose. I mean, I, I guess families can stand together, so maybe you know. But but even so, it's gonna it's gonna look messy. Um, enhance uh, sanitation throughout the parts. Kind of goes back to what Craig said. Now, you mentioned as well about the, or a few of you mentioned about the profitability. And these are the things that they're trying to work out. So there was two options here. The first, it didn't say it was about profitability, but it is. So the first one was to limit the attendance each day to 75% of capacity. Now, I'm not sure what capacity is in those parts. Can't remember it's a lot. Like, it's like 30,000 or something. Yeah, there's no way you can socially distance at seventy five percent capacity. No, not so, a chance. So the other option is limit attendance each day to just twenty five percent of capacity. That's more like a serious effort. That, That's something. Still think it's difficult, but still, that is still a more. Be, uh, it's a more sensible approach. But what you've got to remember is, then parks don't operate at hundred percent capacity every day of the year. Anyway, no, no, but you can probably guarantee they operate at 75% capacity on average. I would imagine so, yeah. So, 25% of, of capacity that's that's a huge come down. The 75% um, of capacity is basically nothing because they, they probably only operate at you know, apart from the really, really busy periods, they probably only operate at 75% capacity. That's, basically, I mean. that's business as normal, yeah. 25% will obviously be a huge, uh, yeah. huge decline. Um, and then raises the questions is, you know, is that because that's the least amount you can cover your costs with? Is it 25%? Is that why to pick that number rather than like 10% or 15%? Is 25% the, the least that they can operate with? So that's, so just doing some maths, that's uh, just, just shy of 7,000 people. In, in Universal Studios alone, I'm not including Islands of Adventure. What, is the capacity? That's 25% of the capacity. The it's estimated seven. capacity. So the capacity the park has, apparently, is around... Um, hold on, I may have got my figures wrong. Yeah, that doesn't seem... Yeah, 27,000, apparently. That seems quite small. Hmm. I said 30, so maybe not. So, yeah, so maybe not. So, yeah, the, the 25% is 6,750. I mean, it's, that's, it does sound like still a lot of people, doesn't it, really? Well, it does when you consider that most attractions will be shut mm. or in limit, limited operation. So that does seem like a lot of people in one place. But you know what, you know what them places are like when it becomes dinner time? Because... We're always told to book your ADRs and your dining reservations for after 2 or before 11. Do you know what I mean? So can you imagine 7,000 people all trying to socially distance and get something to eat in a restaurant that is only sitting one person per table? 
uh, two meters apart. Most haven't. Imagine most haven't. You're sitting on each other's knees. Mm. That's true. Well, you have been kicked out of the park for that, Craig. But yeah, <laughs> you're true. <laughs> Can be pretty busy. We we went into um, whatever that eatery is called um, with 17 of us last year, and you're supposed to go in there, get your food, go to a team member, and they she, they find you a table to stop people sitting on the tables. And we just went to one of them and went, girl, there's 17 of us. And she went, no problem. And she just got us a table, a big long strip of tables on benches. We had about six tables and we were allowed, we were basically given these tables before we got our food. That, you know, when we were all sitting on, all with each other, imagine a family of 17 going in and then you're getting a split up into your, Family groups, you're getting split up into 17. Are you just, did you just you, shut the restaurant while that family eats? You're going to have to, aren't you? Because I'm guessing the same rules would apply. So you and your kids and your wife would be fine sitting together, but your sister in law and brother in law and their kids, they'd have to be set separate. The grandparents have to be set separate because you're not all living in the same house. Now, if you take, if you pull this out, so you come away from the theme parks and you go to the hotels, right? They've got to run at a cost as well, where there's no point in them being open um, and, and limiting because they won't pay for themselves, right? But then you take another pull back and you've got aeroplanes flying across the Atlantic with 25% capacity. You know, where does this end? Hmm. You know, it, it doesn't just... end until there's a cure and everyone's got it, I don't think. I was listening to, I, I shared the link to the, the podcast, uh, The Daily with, from the New York Times today, listening to uh, a specialist on pandemics. And basically, if the lucky, um, the fastest you can get a vaccine generally is four years with all the testing and everything like that, four years, right? This, trying to get a vaccine against basically the common cold, because that's all this is. It's just a variant of the common cold. And there's no such thing. Often, otherwise, we wouldn't get common colds, would we? Mm. And then even if you do get a vaccine for it, that might only last for six months because it morphs into something else. Now, it could do a SARS or whatever it was called and disappear. You know, it could just die out. But it, it couldn't. It might carry on. Well, this yeah. is the thing. I think I think it's it's being seen very similar to how SARS spread. And I think if they could control the spread, then it's it's likely that it could just die out in, in a few months. It's not it's not impossible for that to happen. But, yeah, you're right. It's We just don't know. It could morph into something else, the same as the flu does, and we have to top it up i mean that's best case scenario that we can top it up and even that every year the flu jab is, is a guess based on the strain that they're seeing in other countries well the flu jab is basically throwing off shit at the wall and some of it sticks yeah i mean there's been years where it's not been effective at all yeah, yeah. so it's it's interesting um the last last uh couple of points on here 
again, removal free glasses and attractions, um, but also all guests that had their temperature taken. We're seeing that in the Disney parks in Asia. So that would not surprise me that they scan you as you go in to check your temperature. Um, and the last one is to test all guests for COVID-19. Now, again, going back to what I said with the team members, unless you're getting an instant, re- uh, instant result, that's no good to anybody. So it seems pointless. I, I, I would have no problem being tested every day if I was going into those parts. It will take time and whatnot, but if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. But I don't, I don't see how that would um, produce uh, a result quick enough to uh, make it viable for you to safely go in the park. So can we talk about Halloween Horror Nights 30 now? So let's just transfer everything you've just said there, Nick, right, about all indoor attractions to be closed, all outdoor attractions to be closed, no shows to take place, 25% capacity, just you know, spraying down and cleaning areas. So you've got the actors in the houses swapping out a, t- a cash change would take, you know, we walked through some of the houses last year where they were halfway through a cast change. But now they're going to have to spray down their little area when as they walk in. Do you know what I mean? So the little zombie who's been hiding in that little area to jump out, when he goes into his little area, his confined space, he's got to spray it all down because the cast member before him might have it. So the one thing we know at the moment is that unlike Disney construction is still going ahead in Universal for Halloween Horror Nights in preparation for this happening. But... It's not happening, is it? Let's be honest. They've they've also said they're closing all indoor attractions. Now, we know, we've all done Halloween Horror Nights, some of us together, luckily. Um, It is like a conga. Yeah. So you can't do that. You you can't even do one in, one out. Well, I mean, you, you... you could you told? get one when, house a night. When, when you go into the house, what's the first thing they tell you? Close ranks, close ranks. Yeah, keep, keep moving. moving. Push up, keep yeah. together, stay together. It's going to be spread out, spread out, slow down, slow down. It's it's just not workable. No. I, I, I honestly, and it breaks my heart to say it, right? But I, I I've got to be realistic in this and i think reading all of that stuff out you've got to look at it a different way and if that's the measures that they feel they need to put in and i agree that they need to put in a lot of these measures to make it even viable there is no way that they can do halloween horror nights this year the scare zones which is a selfie zone you get the scare actors will stop what they're doing and let you take a, a photo with them. That's not happening. Yeah, no photos. Far too close for photos. But th- th- I just don't see how any of it can be viable. Well, the only way to do it is each scare zone turns into a quarantine area where you get um, disinfected before you go into the next set of houses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Strip off, burn your clothes, have yeah. a... <laughs> A disinfectant shower issued with a new boiler suit that you get to put on. You, on you, know, you go. 
I was I was just thinking it myself. I was thinking the only the only uh, mainly because of uh, Ryan saying the word quarantine. But I thought maybe the only way you can do Halloween Horror Nights this year is in a full hazmat suit. And that's the only way you're allowed in, is if you are in a fully protective suit. Mask, uh, you know, gloves, the whole shebang, nothing on show, completely enclosed. And that's the only way you can go and do these houses. It just, I just cannot find an angle where it's viable. I really, really can't. And and the thing is, like, there's a lot. I've been I've been reading a lot and watching a lot. The last, well, we all have for like weeks, but especially the last few days. And what's going on in America right now? There, you know, I've seen the protests where people are saying that we need to be free to do what we want, our body, our choice, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and going up these protests. The funniest part of these processes are people that say it doesn't exist it's all media hype all this stuff saying it whilst wearing masks but that cracks me up um but the thing is this is a very real disease i know somebody that is you know on a ventilator right now with it, it you know it is not a joke it is a real thing if you are listening to this and you are following the protocols that you've been told you're you know keeping your hands clean and you're being careful when you leave your house and your social distancing and all that kind of stuff right you're doing the right things and it sucks that we're all on lockdown right and we're all like the world now is on lockdown pretty much nearly everyone listening to this is is from somewhere where you're locked down right it's not fun it's not ideal. It's not great. But it is what it is. And the reason for that is because this thing is, at the moment is so contagious. So, you know, I've taken it seriously the whole time, but especially now, knowing that fact, that I know somebody that's in that position, you've got to take it seriously. And I just cannot see how we can take we we can we can go back to any sense of normality in the places that we love like universal with this going on without any way of being able to control it i just don't america is about 320 million people off the top of the head and somewhere in the region of 3 million people have been tested i think or of of had the disease or i think they've been tested for the disease so you're talking less than 1% of Americans this has touched yet. And they've got huge, very, very big, very strong, very huge numbers of dead already. And they, they want to reopen. So when you reopen, you're going to get another spike. The deaths will go up. And can your healthcare system take that spike? That's that's the thing. You need to get the debts down low enough that the beds are there to save people. And if you're mm. fighting for your freedom of, to express yourself and to shoot your guns and do whatever else you want, you're putting not only your families at risk, other people's families and health workers, everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got to be perfectly honest. I I'm missing. 
being in the supermarket. I've not been in a supermarket for I don't I don't even know what day we're on now. But oh, mate, it's overrated. I have a panic <laughs> attack today I, over stock cubes. I mean, I know, I know they're crazy. I know they're crazy right now, but I miss being able to walk into a supermarket and just choosing something that isn't on a predetermined list that I sent to someone else, uh, which is a stupid little thing in life. But the fact of the fact of the matter is, I've got a kid due to, to in the next two months. And if if the world is like it is now, I have a trip to Universal, Halloween Horror Nights. I'm staying at Universal in September. If the world is is unchanged at that point, I don't care if I lose all of my money on that trip. I'm not risking um, my family. There's no way. And that's the that's the other problem we've got in the UK is that at the moment we can't fly to the states. Um, our borders are shut as well, so we can't have people coming in. We don't know when those restrictions will be lifted. People have got holidays booked all throughout the next few months because it's coming into peak season for people going over to Orlando. Most people at the moment, their flights are still uh, on schedule because the situation hasn't changed beyond the periods it is now, right? So until your flight is cancelled, there's nothing you can do. Now, there's every chance that come September we're in a position where we have reopened our borders so we can allow travel, but we're not allowed to fly into America. And, and if, if we are, you are, go on, you say it. If, you, if we are, if you are, then you might get to Orlando and there's no parts open. Or 14 days isolation. When you get there. And when you get back. For a two-week trip, yeah. so you're you're looking your two-week trip is actually six weeks, and four of those weeks are spent in quarantine, and we'll be unpaid. Yeah, we're in a mess, guys. We're in a mess, and the thing is, we, you know, all the other Universal podcasts are probably doing a show right now talking about how the parts are going to reopen and what they're missing and all this stuff. And that's great, right? That's, that's nice. That's fluffy. I'd much rather be honest and much rather talk about the realities because what's the point of sugarcoating stuff? If this is what we're faced with, if these parts do reopen on the 1st of June, if they do, this is the kind of stuff that you're going to be seeing. You're going to be seeing small numbers of people being allowed to go you're going to see loads of attractions closed shows cancelled machines constantly uh you know being cleaned being tested that's what that's what we're going to face it is not going to go back to normality until i think next year uh yeah i agree and i think just anyone listening it's very rarely uh, on this show or any of the after talk shows that we agree on everything unanimously. And the fact that we are all agree- agreeing on this, I think people just need to be, just be really careful and really sensible if you are going to a theme park when they do reopen. Just ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Can you wait until next year? Is it actually worth it? And you know what, in September, if things return to some kind of normality, I don't think they will, then I'll consider going. But right now, there's no way. There's no way at all. Right. Well, uh, I mean, the only other thing I wanted to mention that's universal related is the fact that Trolls World Tour has been a big hit on home release. Uh, 
Oh, is the actual figures, Nick? I've not seen actual figures. Let me see if I can quickly find them. But I did see that um, they'd been um, better than or, or as expected. Um, let's have a look. I would like this sort of going forward, I'd like this to work to give people like me the chance to watch a film on release. There's got to be a price point where everybody wins. I know you've got your Odeon card or whatever it is, Nick. Mm. Now, would you consider paying more a month if that got you, A, unlimited seats in the cinema, but it got you a code that gives you 48 hours to watch that film through the Odeon servers or whatever, or through Amazon or Apple or whoever, give you a code to watch it for 48 hours, as well as paying. Would you consider that? Uh, yeah, especially now, because I, I can't see when I'm going back to the cinema, unfortunately. There is nothing yeah. coming out that I couldn't wait to see at home if I really had to. Um, even like Black Widow. Like I want to go and see Black Widow, but if I had to watch it at home, I'd quite happily watch it at home. Um, and I just can't see how that's going to change anytime soon. Um, so what was what were you paying a month? Uh, I was paying about 12 quid. But it's normally about 18 quid, I think. Yeah, that's what you pay. 17, 18 a month. So I'd pay, I'd pay like 25 quid quite happily if that meant that I could watch some films at home as well. But for 25 quid, maybe they only give you one <coughs> film a month that you can watch in the house. Yeah, maybe. It's got to be a, it's got to be a model going forward to save the film industry because otherwise it's cabbaged. Well, um, so this article here that I found on IndieWire says that um, it's it's likely to have passed fifty million dollars in domestic revenues in its first six days. Um, stop touching your microphone. Sorry. <laughs> um, but. Um, and, and also, what, and this is where it gets a bit more interesting, is that um, you know when when they release film at cinema, they they take a cut, don't they? They normally get a higher gross for the opening weekend, and then subsequent weekends the the cut goes down. So, um, or is it the other way? Around? It doesn't matter. But anyway, um, they get less of a cut than when they release stuff for home release. So they think it passed $50 million in six days. And they believe that they got about two-thirds of that, which means that they'd have made about $35 million on those rentals, if that was true, which is probably more than they would have got, or at least on a par, than if that film had opened at $70 million at the box office, $100 million. I don't think it would have hit $100 million anyway. It's a Charles movie, but um, it would have done pretty well. So it, it's going to be interesting. Mm. What sort of cost was it to, to produce the film? And uh, the advertising revenue and stuff? Estimated budget was 90 to 100 million. So you need four hundred million there to break break even, basically. Wow, that's an old that's an old money though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, who knows with this model? It says here by the time Universal switched to VOD, worldwide marketing was likely in tens of millions. It could need to gross upward of one hundred and fifty million to be in profit, which 
sounds quite low actually um but there was a load of merchandise to go with the film mcdonald's were doing happy meal toys for about four days before the uh, the lockdown started at mcdonald's in the uk the only other problem with this model is uh, now a film goes out into the cinema there's always piracy but it'll be a camcorder and it won't be worth watching yeah mm-hmm. when it goes out onto streaming straight away then you're somebody somewhere has got the technology to crack that and then we've got a full 4k hd oh I, Trolls World Tour was available uh, for me to find online Monday morning. It, it came out at midnight on Monday, and by Monday morning, there was already high-quality streams of it that were full HD. Now, I actually paid for it. It was fifteen ninety-nine for 48 hours rental. I did that because just because you can pirate something doesn't mean you should. And I wanted to support this this new model because just to see if it might um, take off going forward. Um, it's interesting. I still think it's, it's expensive for a rental, really, because you would normally pay about that kind of cost to buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. But at the same time, you're paying that extra because you're seeing it before it gets a home release. Hmm. If you watch it as a family, it's um, it's not bad, is it? It's a lot cheaper than a family of four gone at the cinema. We we so, yeah. we went to uh, for us for the four. Well, it probably would have been three of us that would have gone to see it. So I'd have paid for my card. So my cost would have been wiped out. Um, it would have probably cost about another eight quid each. Yeah. So it would have cost about 16 quid for us to the three of us to have gone and seen it anyway. So yeah. it's not cost us any more. What you you lose out on is the cinema experience, the sound, the bigger screen. People sitting um, behind you eating popcorn, rustling the bag. Which is the advantages of not going. So there's there's pros and cons. Yeah. Um, like my sister-in-law thought it was a rip-off, so she wouldn't pay for it. And I said, that's fair enough. I, I get why you feel that. But I said you would have paid that to go to the cinema. And she went, yeah, but it would, then that would have been a cinema experience. I went, right, but you can't have a cinema experience right now. Yeah. And the thing is, if you are talking when cinemas do reopen, that for the cost of two cinema tickets, you can go and watch the film in the comfort of your own home at a time that suits you. Yeah. Then I think there are films that I would do that to. I would, if there was a new Star Wars film this year, I would go and see that at the cinema if it was opened new james bond i would choose to go and see that at the cinema um but new ghostbusters or stranger things i want to see it but if i had the option of seeing it at home i'd probably watch it at home yeah i I agree i mean i said this before but like especially this year for me i'm gonna have a a baby and there's no way i'm getting to the cinema anytime soon you know know, ideally if i can watch a new Star Wars or Black Widow at two, three in the morning and watch it over the course of two or three days um, and pay 20 quid for it from home, then I'll, I'd much rather do that, to be honest. And you will, because yeah, that, that is, we used to do that all the time. You'd watch your film and it would take you seven days to watch it, but, and it would be one o'clock in the morning with one eye open. Yeah. Spilling, spilling a milky sick. Yeah. That's your, that's your future. 
At least I'm prepared for it, though. I'm not. I've not got any uh, any doubt in my mind that that's what my future is. I mean, it, it took me it took me years to get back to a normal cinema routine when we had kids. Like we used to go all the time, and now Lindsay will go a handful of times a year, and you know we'll take the kids, you know, a fair few times as well. But you know, I, I will obviously go more than anyone. But that's just because that's what I do of an evening. Um, you're you're opportunity to go and see films you have to make a real effort to go and do so once you've had kids it's 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 not the same as it used to be so yeah and that's it a lot of people i know don't go and see films because oh we've got to get a babysitter or you know or it's not convenient or whatever and 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 that's and that's what happens when you you have kids like the stuff that would be normal to you now isn't you've got to change your mindset some of these films that they've pushed off to next year do you think if trolls and whatever other films you put out are deemed a success they will bring them forward again or do you think they'll just still leave them in next year i think they're um, gonna do, i think it's going to depend on whether they think that cinemas will ever return to some kind of normality again and i, I think I, that that's a big if at the minute i think the, i think the real um the real interesting one will be Black Widow. Mm. So uh, the the oh no, they've moved Soul, haven't they? They've moved Soul to November as well. So I was going to say the next big release was going to be Soul in June, but that's been pushed back. So Black Widow is going to be the interesting one because it's a Marvel film. It was like you know anticipated of being another big you know Marvel release, not Avengers size, but certainly on a par with like a. Uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy or, um, you know, a, a one of the Marvel films like that. So kind of, I'd expect to make around six, $700 million. Um, that's coming out in November. And it will be interesting to see what the box office is for that. Because if the box office is disappointing on that, I think Disney will blame the cinema release schedule and will rethink what they're going to do next. The problem is they've made they've made movies for one model, and that's not the model they've got right now. Yeah, because I think you know I think if if this model is so if if say it takes two years for cinemas to get back to proper normal, and they will eventually, right? This thing will burn itself yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. Yeah. eventually. But it, it, let's say worst case is two years, then you could see films going into production with much lower budgets because they know the profits aren't going to be at the same level as a cinema release. You cannot release a $200 million Marvel epic and stick it straight on video on demand because you need that to make a billion dollars and it's not going to make that on rentals. No, that's right. So, you know, so you you need a new, need a new model and it's whether, is whether you jump on that bandwagon, it's a gamble in that Hollywood have got to decide, you know, is this going to go away quickly? In which case, we just hang on to the big films we've got. And, or do we start actually producing films for that sort of distribution model? Uh, the, the other thing is, there's no films getting made. So at a certain point down the line, there's going to be no new films coming out for a couple of months. So are we going to see, to get people back into the cinemas, is there going to be a whole re-release of 
classic movies to get people back into the cinemas at discounted rates. Go and see Jaws at the at the pictures. Go and see whatever Ghostbusters, Gone with the Wind, blah blah blah, Godfather, all these classics. You know, maybe. Mm. Well, it's what they tried to do in China. It didn't work. They closed the cinemas but down again was, almost quickly. That was right in the middle of everything going on. You know, the, the shit storm was still shitting. Yeah. This has got to be at some point when we can comfortably go to a cinema and not die. But there'll be no films coming out because they're not getting produced, not getting made. Not oh, I, I agree. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to think of something. I mean, look at look at how TV has changed in the last decade, right? We've had things like Game of Thrones. Um, more recently, we've had like the Mandalorian. We've got the Marvel shows that are coming to Disney Plus as well. Um, you've got things on Amazon like the Jack Ryan series and stuff like that. TV shows where they've thrown Hollywood movie budgets at a ten episode production, right? And I mean, the thing is, with with things like Game of Thrones, they look, you know, pretty much like movie quality. Mandalorian and I saw this in the big screen, looked like a big screen production cut into chunks. So is the model in the future, if it takes a while for cinemas to bounce back, that they they change how they do some of their TV projects and you know throw the big budgets at the small screen instead? Or do what you did just before the lockdown. And go and see some telly on the big screen. Yeah. Because I believe Mandalorian looked absolutely wonderful. It did. It looked spectacular. Yeah. It, you know, it, it looked good on, when you watched it on Disney Plus. Seeing it blown up on a on a proper screen was uh, just showed how cinematic it was. So it's going to be interesting. But I, I, I think I think we'll see how this year pans out. I think we'll see how Black Widow goes. And then I think we'll see how the cinemas bounce back next year with those films that have been pushed back. So, you know, Fast and Furious normally does well at the box office. Um, Ghostbusters was expected to do well at the ghost uh, the, the ghost office, <laughs> the box office. Um, <laughs> we've got some Marvel films which, uh, you know, are supposed to be still shooting uh, in a few months' time due for release next year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those if they come out. But I think that's what's going to be key. Once this is done and dusted, or once we are in a position where we can reopen cinemas safely and stuff like that, and they start releasing these big films again, it, how they will compare to what Universal have been doing. That you know, all the all the big studios will look at the numbers coming in and going, right, how much did we make on video on demand for a premiere? How much have we made at the box office for opening weekend? And more importantly, how much money have they made? Not what the you know, not what the box office number was. It's it's brilliant to get hundred million dollars, but if you're only getting a twenty five percent cut of that, and you're getting, you know, seventy percent of a video on demand release, which ones actually made you more money? And I think that is what is going to determine the next few years at, at the cinema. And Universal have got to be applauded for being the first ones to take a step 
But 100%. The other model that Disney have gone down with, whatever that film's called, Optimus Fail or whatever. Optimus Fail. Going straight on to Disney Plus. You know what the hilarious thing was, Craig? You saw a trailer for that a few months ago. They went, oh, there's this good film coming to Disney Plus about a kid. And I was like, I don't think there is. And you described it to me. And I was like, I'm sure that's Artemis Fowl. And that's coming to cinemas. You went, oh, I thought that was coming to Disney Plus. You were just ahead of your time. Exactly. But how do they quantify it? We've always had this discussion, me and you, Nick. How do you um, prove that that has made any money? By putting it onto a streaming service that is already out there. I think the only way you can judge it is how many new subscribers you've got in that time period. So what Disney might do is go, right, leading up to Artemis Fowl, like a month before Artemis Fowl gets put on the platform, how many subscribers have we got? Then looking at the weeks leading up to the release, how many new subscribers have we got? Then the weekend it comes, it gets launched on Disney Plus, right? How many new subscribers did we get that weekend and the subsequent couple of weeks? And then looking at a month later at how many people have left. And that's and then they might be able to get an idea of how many people they've been able to keep, how many people joined just to watch the film and left. I mean, that's a, a unique situation obviously because it was going onto the screen it wasn't made for disney plus no i mean was togo made for disney plus yes but i don't know and i still haven't watched togo mate i'm sorry we're gonna have to i'm gonna have to watch that so we can talk about it but um i don't know if togo there's a few disney plus films which were scheduled to be cinematic releases that when they announced Disney Plus, they got pushed there as, as, instead. So uh, Noel originally was going to be a cinema release. Um, there's a film coming out, I think, called Magic Camp or something, about a magic summer camp. Um, or is it Camp Magic? And it's just a magician in a in a flowery little outfit. Going, it, it, does, it does star Adam, Adam uh, Devine, so it could be. Um, but regardless, that was also a film that they uh, had originally pitched as being a like summer Disney family film, um, and then was announced as being on Disney Plus. So um, I'm not sure if Togo was one of those or not, but you know, some have specifically been commissioned for Disney Plus, and others have been relegated for want of a better term to Disney Plus. So. It, it will be interesting, but yeah, I, I think once we start seeing a few other big films come out when the cinemas reopen, compare it against how Universal have done with their model, that will be the tell. That will be the tell on, on if that works as a, as a format. I, my personal belief is I think they should offer both. I think that the day, uh, they should do day and date, and or at the very least, kind of do what Disney did with Onward which is release the film at the cinemas and then three weeks later release it to rent and buy it and then you know a few weeks after that it was on Disney Plus so you try and encourage people to get to the cinema to see it first but you're not leaving it months before people can watch it at home have a small window 
I mean, another idea I've had is you could, for the price of a cinema ticket, pay a little bit more, and in three months' time or whatever, you get a code to get the digital download. But you mm. can only get that if you go to pictures. Yeah. Yeah, what be a way. Right, is there anything else anyone wants you to talk about? No. No. I think so. Big sigh. Yeah. Well, in that case, that's Universal I'll start for another month. At least we've released one. That's the main thing. Um, hopefully, when we record our episode in, in uh, May or sooner, it will be with different news. Sound quality will be so good, though, because we'll be wearing masks and we're about to have our temperatures taken. Whoa, hang on. You've not been, you've not been wearing your mask already? No. I'm wearing nothing but a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a number one and everything. Not mask, like I did my hair. No point having hair in this epidemic. No my brother-in-law shaved his entire body the other day. Oh, no, my clippers couldn't cope with that. I've seen you naked. No, they couldn't. No. I thought you were wearing a knitted full body um, jumpsuit. You said I could be Chewbacca stand up. Yeah. That was your actual words. Um, right. Thank you very much, dear listener, uh, for joining us on this. Hope we've cheered you up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we'll see you next Thanks. month for another Universal After Dark. And who knows, a man might even be here. You'll have to just tune in to find out. We love you guys. The listeners? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we do. We love the listeners, yeah. Yeah, but I love all yous anyway. Oh, thanks, mate. is